0: hi guys welcome to nyasha z presents where i present to you zimbabwe in professional and academic spaces first of all i want to check in with you guys how are you doing i know it's a friday when i'm releasing this and i hope you know you have a restful weekend this is really the time of the year when things start getting a little hectic if you're at school midterms exams are starting to come up and at work it's just hectic so i hope you know this is a time if you're listening to this this is actually your time to relax and just you know listen to um some of the cool stories that i have for you and today episode number 13 i have jeff Tajawi, who is an electronics and control engineer um at cummins and he also went to my university university of pennsylvania graduated in 2012 and he is also an alum of the USA program which I was a part of, uh, which assists high-achieving, low-income students from Zimbabwe. And then he went to Thornhill High School. I went to Regina High School. So they were in the same city in Zimbabwe. So, you know, that was another great connection there. And we both played chess which is actually one of the bigger topics in this episode for the first time so for other chess players this will be really fun because we just talk about you know a lot of things about chess but you know there are also things about his career university experience you know what he plans to do after retirement and i hope you enjoy the episode thank you so much mr jeff Tejawi, for gracing us with your presence. So welcome, Jeff. Tab. First of all, I would like to ask how you are doing and what's been giving you hope in these times of uncertainty? I'm
1: doing well, thanks. Thank you for the invitation. I think uh, it's been good having my wife for support. We've kept each other company uh, since we are both working from home, so that helps a lot. I cannot imagine having to work the whole year from home alone, so that has been a great help. And also just keeping in touch with family, and friends, uh, that's helped out a lot.
0: So you mentioned working from home and I know you are an electronic control system specialist. Tell me what you do in your job and how do you think like your pain experience prepared you for that?
1: Sure, cars these days, I think you may know cars these days are controlled by computers in ECM, electronic control module inside, which has a CPU, which is used to control the car. So when you are driving and you press down on the pedal, in the past, it used to be mechanical. So when you press down on the pedal, then the pedal press on something, and then eventually the engine would do something. But now when you press down on the pedal, a signal goes to the computer, and then that computer tells the engine what to do. So that's where I come in. I work on that control system that's used to control the engine. Um, we have a lot of different features. So if you want the engine to do something, you input a command, the the computer that uh, processes those those commands is what I work on, the hardware part and the software part.
0: Okay, sounds really interesting. So do you think, you know, Cummins will be involved in any self-driving car business or is that out of the picture?
1: I think that is where we are heading because we now have an electronic vehicle group. So we're actually developing... Electronic uh, transmissions uh, right now, and we do have some pro- products. We do have a bus which is electronically electrically powered, and it's a field because we believe that diesel in in um, fossil fuels are, are going to be phased out. Though yeah. we, have, we still have a long way before that happens. <laughs> Let's be clear about that,
0: especially in Zimbabwe and you know countries. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's not going to happen in time soon, but when it does, we, Cummins will be in a position to leverage. When it happens, we'll be prepared for the electro- electrical vehicle market, and we would have um, benefited a lot from the fossil fuel market.
0: All right. Uh, so you have been in the industry for quite a while. I believe like you've learned, you've been adapting to different technologies, you probably at Penn you did take software classes, but you've had to learn more. So yeah, how have you navigated that and what would you say perhaps have been some of the you know the most treasured skills that you've learned throughout your career?
1: I'll say the most treasured skill is learning how to learn. Okay. Because it was something that um, I realized when I started working that you're not really trained for what you're going to do when you start working. You're going to pick up... Uh, the nice thing is particularly if you're going to the electric, an electrical engineering job, yeah. you are going to, the basics are going to be, you're going to have learned the basics at Penn. So the classes that you took are going to prepare you because you'll you know some small pieces of the bigger picture that you do at work. So you'll know the fundamentals, your programming stuff, your basic circuitry, how like computer logic works. Those kind of skills will be beneficial. Then you can, in your first years, you'll be able to build up on that. So what I would say is the best skill that you're learning right now is how to pick up new things and how to build on what you're learning. So what you're learning will probably not be what you'll be doing, but awesome. it will be a small it will be a small piece of it. But you'll find it easy to pick up on new stuff.
0: Very true. And I think another thing with learning to learn is you just get more confidence so the next time you have to learn something new you yeah. you you you, quite, you kind of have a strategy to that so uh, uh, our next questions are going to be more on specifically your pain experience and actually we'll go back to your time in Zimbabwe but right now I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions just a few okay. and you can give me a, the quickest answer you can come up with okay. so the most important lesson the pandemic has taught
1: you I'd say the importance of family and friends, because when you become isolated, you begin to realize that those are the things and people, uh, well, those are the people who help you keep your sanity because you can't do the other things like traveling or going to do some other things. We couldn't do them anymore, but being able to reach out to them, talk to them, that helped keep me sane and it was good for just mental health.
0: That actually goes well with the next question, which is which country, what's the country you've traveled to where you have the best memories or the fondest memories?
1: Uh, that's a tough one. Best and fondest. Me- so last week I went on vacation to Jamaica. So wow. maybe bias. <laughs> that's very lucky. <likely. laughs> yeah. Maybe it's recently biased because I just went there. Yeah. So I did enjoy it. But I have to say though, my, my fondest memories are have to be back, back home in Zimbabwe.
0: Okay. I was going to say Zimbabwe is disqualified from the list because but we'll take Jamaica. Uh, what's been yeah. what's your favorite chess opening?
1: Favorite chess opening is I use a variation of the scotch opening. Okay, I, I used to play chess and I don't
0: even know oh. <laughs> which one is that. which piece, which pieces do you move first?
1: It's a king's opening move.
0: Okay,
1: king, and then you move your king's knight, and then uh, after that, he, when the other person moves the, their king's pawn and maybe their knight as well, you then move your queen's pawn uh, forward two places. Oh, to- okay,
0: okay. Yeah,
1: then they take it, and I usually take with the knight. So Interesting. that kind of opening it's, I like playing sharp games Like really sharp and open games Because they're more tactical So it, it makes the board open And you can pull up a lot of tricks Which people don't know That's why I like that opening
0: I think it's good for you Because for other people We would be scared to have our king in the open To attack like <laughs> that Like Usually I go for the Roy Lopez And my king is like in the corner, I've done castling. So that's interesting to know. But last question before we go back to the main questions, what was your favorite club or organization at Penn?
1: I will say Nesb was, uh, I don't know, I, I, I like Nesb because we traveled a lot with it. I went to, I was quite involved in Nesb. I was the academic chair for it for, for one year, the corporate relations chair for it another year. And we used to travel a lot to a lot of different conferences, and actually I managed to get my internship for Cummins through Nesb, uh, because I was involved in it and they came to one of the career fairs and I did an interview and got an offer for an internship on site. So that was, that was really good.
0: That's amazing. I, I suppose quite a lot has changed with Nesbi. Uh, okay. But that would be a topic for another day. Uh, because <laughs> right now I think typically hardware engineering students, we we do not have an easier time. Uh, But I think that's why it's helpful to connect to you alumni as well, because you are in these positions. And I wasn't aware that, you know, there was Zimbabweans who were working in electrical engineering. You know, you going back to when you started college, you started when it's almost a similar situation as right now, where we have a pandemic and, you know, we are worried about what's happening with our families at home. How are they surviving? You know, what vaccine are they getting? For you, I believe you started around 2008, yeah yeah so it was a time where you were also thinking about what was happening at home so yeah tell me about that time and what you remember and just trying to adjust
1: yeah it was it was a really tough time when i left home uh, doing shops were empty and people were just finding it really difficult to, to survive inflation had run rampant and it was yeah even like finding eating decent meals a lot of Families were not able to do that. So when I came here, uh, I remember being in four when I walked into Frogrow. I believe this year have that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it actually closed.
1: Oh, it did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. They got
0: sued for something. But
1: yeah. Ah, oh, that, that's, uh, that's sad. And that's sad. That used a place to just walk True. to. Convenient. Because I lived in Hanwell House yeah, since freshman year to my senior year. So I really liked Frog Row. It was easy. You could just go any time of the day and buy something. So I walked into Frog Row and I saw everything was packed. It was like, wow, this is, it it just seemed like a different world (laughs) seeing that. But yeah, it was, so it was, it was nice knowing that you, you are now able to do that. But in a way, it also made me feel kind of bad that now, now I have this, but people back home still Not have those yet. empty shelves because it's better when, uh, when, when, when you're in a certain situation and it, it, to a certain point, you think that, well, in a way, maybe that's how things just are. You don't think about it as much. But yeah. then when, you, when you're in a place where you see how things should be and how, what's better, you, you begin to realize how bad things are. I mean, I knew things were bad at home. But when I saw how much better things were just by being in a shop, it just made me realize really how really, really bad things were.
0: Yeah. And I think the hard part, which I I think you were getting to, is that it's hard knowing you have access to things and there's no direct way to ship whatever you're buying from Frog Road to people at home. And I think it's kind of the same with um, COVID-19 right now that if, our economy start opening up. Everyone has vaccines. It's great. Mm-hmm. There is you can't exactly ship vaccines to Zimbabwe to your family no. or things like that. No. So, how do you navigate those situations where you want to give back but it's hard? To give back to zimbabwe so how have you been up what has been your approach to giving back to um any communities in zim
1: yeah so i started when i was a freshman actually that's when i i started and had a work study a work study job at penn and yeah. i'll save up and send some money back home because like they say charity begins at home so yeah i started by giving back to to my family to make sure that at least they could Uh, Afford some things that they couldn't before I I came here. I extended out to relatives as well, so there are some relatives that I pay their their fees for, and they've assisted them with school fees and um, other things that that do come up, uh, maybe medical costs or something of that nature, and just even so financially, that's how I've been uh, giving back. In the end, in terms or use of the use of school when I when I'm able to, I've also been. Making some contributions for that, and apart from financial help, just giving advice um, to to people. Uh, I used to to I used to give advice to people who are applying to the US uh, just through email uh, in the past, and then uh, just general advice to some friends or their younger siblings who are thinking of it may not even be apply about applying to the US, but just making career decisions i yes. do I do um, discuss with them and have some conversations with people about that because that was one thing that I did struggle with thinking about what I wanted to do what career I wanted to to follow um, because I didn't have exposure to a lot of professions or professionals, so it was kind of hard to figure out okay what does this profession do what we do what what will you be doing in your day-to-day? What are the pros or cons of doing that? So for, I had to figure that out. And I'm always willing to talk to people or at least give some advice uh, based on what I, I managed to find out when I was trying to answer that question for myself.
0: That's excellent. Um, so when you finally decided on electrical engineering or even the engineering school, right, because you could have thought about pre-med or things like that. How did you decide on electrical engineering? And electrical engineering itself is broad as well. You know, there's analog, it's really digital, you can do nanotechnology, you can do the circuits. So how did you decide on electrical engineering and then specifically on the control side of it?
1: I liked physics in high school. So I ended up in the secretary part of it. I I did like chemistry, but I didn't see myself going down that path, maybe going the chemical path. And then for something like computer science, I didn't have much exposure before coming to Penn. I actually did my first programming class at Penn. So that wasn't something that I thought of before. But when I took my, so when I enrolled back home, I signed up straight for the electrical engineering class. And that was mainly because, like I said, I, I liked the electrical part from physics. And I didn't have exposure to the other types of engineering. I didn't have exposure to like the side part of computer science itself. Chemical engineering, I didn't have much exposure to that. i done chemistry. But I did MPC for A-level. So I didn't have exposure to chemical engineers actually do Electro-engineering did seem more relatable
0: Yeah,
1: because... uh, The
0: physics curriculum in Zim, yeah.
1: It was broad. And I thought, like you're saying, it is broad. So I didn't want to narrow myself down. Mm. That was one of the reasons why I chose it, which is why I also chose MPC for A-level because MPC gives you a lot of options. If If you decide to go to medicine, you can still go. If you decide, even if you decide to, at least in my time, if you decided that you want to become a lawyer, with MPC, you can still go and become a lawyer. So it didn't narrow you down. I'm all about options. I like, I like having options and I like keeping the options open until I know exactly what I want and then I lock, I lock it in. So MPC gave me that option. Electrical engineering also gave me that option because I didn't know... I knew I liked engineering. I liked the. I'm a qualitative person, analytical person. I knew I liked those things. And I knew that as an electrical engineering, you can also go into computer science um, because you do learn comp sci along the way. So I had, it, it opened those, it had a, a lot of tools that it would keep open for me and you, I
0: could, you could still go to do a jdmba to become a yeah, doctor
1: yeah exactly you could still do that or yeah if you want to go into like patent law uh, law and become a patent attorney that was another option so it it has a lot of options i was actually interested in telecommunications mm-hmm. when i left zm because at that time econet was doing really well and that's where a lot of people who were doing well were at just paying well, and you could see that it was making a lot of, it, had, it was making meaningful impact by, com- by connecting people in the rural areas with the city. So I, li- I liked the work that they were doing. They were doing a lot of really good work. And it was, so yeah, that was another reason why I wanted to do engineering because I could also go into telecommunications. So when I, when I was at Penn, I actually submatriculated matriculated into the telecommunication master's degree and some telecommunication classes. But then when I, when I was there and I was starting to look into the career prospects, the jobs that I could take, I could, I could enroll, I could get after work, I realized that a lot of the telecom jobs, you needed a PhD, like if you want. Right. Unless, yeah, you could do maybe networking, but the interesting ones wanted you to have a PhD and the jobs are quite competitive. They weren't as many as I had uh, hoped for. So that is why I ended up switching my master's um, to an electrical engineering one, just general electric, electrical engineering.
0: Okay.
1: Because at least with a master's in electrical engineering, you're not narrowing yourself down to just telecoms. There was no downside because if I did decide to go the telecommunication path, my electrical engineering masters would still be good for that. But if I did a telecoms masters, and then I want, I decided that I wanted to go like into control systems engineering. Then your masters is in telecoms, but you want to go this way. So it limits your options. Within general electrical engineering masters, your open your options are still open. You can still go in different paths. And then control systems, how I ended up there, well, it was as I mentioned, I got an internship with Cummins. At that point, I wasn't really sure which part of engineering I wanted to specialize in. I was just applying for many jobs, multiple jobs, in seeing, yeah. and seeing and I decided that well I'm, I'll decide on that based on the um on what I get, on the offers I get. I'll see what what I like. So when I interviewed for Cummins, that's when I got to know about the control about control systems engineering. I would taken the systems class because what yes, we do it's is kind of exactly in that class it's similar to that class uh, because we we are more we are more or less uh, using the ECM as the embedded system
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. uh, there's more complicated embedded systems are usually simpler but this is kind of the same concept so when we when I was in the interview for the internship and the interviewer was talking about it I realized oh yeah this is kind of like that class and I did like that and I, I think it's a nice um, application of what I've been learning. So I did that. I got an internship in Minnesota. Uh, So that's where I did my internship. And then full-time I was offered um, in Columbus, Indiana, which is where I am now.
0: When you eventually retire, do you have any plans to do something outside what you're currently doing? Um, Perhaps it could be related to telecommunications or something completely different. Have Mm -hmm. you thought about that?
1: It's something I'm always thinking of. (laughs) I have engaged in some farming and mining back home because our industry is still quite reliant on the primary industry and there are some opportunities there. I would like to get something, I would like to start a business that's more related to maybe the tissue aspect, something in the engineering field. And I'm still thinking of ideas. In telecommunications, a lot of the opportunity has gone to the big companies like Econite and all. And they have the financial resources and um, to to be a step ahead of you because it's quite capital intensive, that field. But you never know. Uh, technology is constantly evolving. There could be something new that comes up that they haven't caught onto. So I'm always keeping up with just technological changes, seeing if there's something that we can introduce like back home. Because it doesn't have to be... Anything new, it can be something that is being used in the u s but hasn't been used in them, which is similar to what uh, Strive Maswa did. He saw something that that was being used outside the country, and then he just brought it back to to them, like even jack ma uh, he saw the idea for Alibaba he came I think he um, he, he went to a friend's house i think it, it was outside the country and he saw, he was exposed to the computers and he, he saw how easy it was to just do things on your computer. And he liked the idea. He always says that was when he realized that, oh, I could just take this back home and start something similar to it. And now he, Alibaba is from really big and he is, he is doing a lot of big things in China.
0: Another important point, point that I picked up from what you just said is that Innovation doesn't have to be anything extraordinary, like that makes us all, you know, super impressed. It can just be an improvement. Like it can yeah. just be a feature that helps people. I think I heard Elon Musk say the same thing. Um, yeah. And also when you say that, you know, you can take, you can learn from those the, those technologies there. Um, I just wanted to clarify to people that it doesn't mean that it won't be an interesting project still because you're just taking from them you're still going to need to adapt it to Zimbabwe right because oh yeah the Zimbabwean market is different so it would still be interesting and hopefully helpful to the people
1: yeah yeah Uh, copying finding an idea to copy is the easy part the hardest part of everything is the implementation and execution that's where things become complicated yeah so I agree with what she's saying
0: so, okay, so right now we're going to talk about chess. So tell me about how you got introduced to chess and when that was.
1: Uh, I think it was grade six. That's when I started. So my dad and my brothers, we used, and I used to play in draft a lot. Uh, every, every evening would play. Ah, around, draft. Around. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> After yeah. you play chess, draft is kind of.
1: i don't know it's uh i'm actually a better draft player than i am a chess player because really
0: do you think there's there's no strategy to draft
1: there is strategy chess has no strategy but as have strategy so i'm good at in draft you can also think moves ahead in draft but a lot of people when they play they don't i don't (laughs) So that gives me an advantage w- when I'm playing it. And it's a quick game. Unlike chess, you can play it for quite a while, but draft, you can just go, uh, you, you can just have a quick game, which is what I like about it. So we used to play uh, draft a lot. And then a friend of uh, my, my, my dad's came one day and saw us playing. I said, well, your kids are really good. Why don't you teach them? That- he spoke my dad and and let them know. Wow, well, your kids are really good. Why don't you teach them chess? So my dad went and bought a chess board, and we started playing chess from that point. Primary, I played for a bit, and then when I went to high school, that's when I I joined a chess club, and continued playing. So I was quite good because even when I was in Form One, I was beating Form Four students, and when I was in Form Two, I was playing. For, I was playing for the senior team at that point. So that yeah. That's, that's how it started. I, I started reading some chess books about grade seven, just the, the initial introductory chess books, and then continued into, into high school. I also had some friends who liked chess and were really good at chess. That that also played a big part because we would learn a lot from each other. would play each time. Um, one of my friends sat next to me in class and when each time a teacher left uh, after, the, after their lesson, we would play a game. We had one of those desks which, which we would open and you put your stuff inside. And then uh, when you wanted to write something, you'd close it and put your books on top. I think you may, know, you may know the type. So we'll keep a chessboard inside. We'll play a game inside the desk. When the teacher came in, we'd close the desk. Mm-hmm. And did the chessboard fit?
0: Because I know sometimes were they not yeah. too? the they, ones that we, or you had the small ones?
1: We Had the small ones which could fit. Yeah. Okay. We had the small fit. so would play when the teacher when the teacher left would open continue our game and the next teacher came in would close the desk and then uh, stop there. Pay attention to class as soon as they left, open the desk, continue <laughs> the game. So that's how we ended up becoming so good because we were always playing. Mm-hmm. Lunchtime would play break time would play yeah you that's were,
0: very funny <laughs> i yeah. think i did a bit of that but maybe not throughout the whole day <laughs> also you talked about um reading chess books i think that's amazing because i think for me for the most part i was just playing out of you know experience of what's happened before so i think you know you were in a great position having read books from grade yeah. seven I was actually gonna ask like what technique did you use did you think about like how did you balance thinking about the theory from the books and just dealing with the situation at hand like if that makes sense
1: so i, I read books for both aspects yeah i did read books on the opening and then i read some on the middle game aspects of it was yeah. the opening, for you start your game okay Yeah. If you don't, <laughs> You can be beaten before you even get to the middle game. True. The opening books and then I would also read some books which took you through grandmaster games because
0: mm-hmm.
1: grandmaster games take you through the opening, the middle game and the end game. And they, they give you an analysis of how they were thinking at each part of the game. So you begin to teach yourself how to think like them. Mm-hmm. That was one thing I liked. I also had a book called Test Your Chess IQ. Uh, which I got from a friend of mine. In that book, you have it, you're presented with a lot of scenarios which can happen. So it has a lot of themes. You can have puzzles on discovered check, and you have it, maybe 20 puzzles on that progressing in difficulty. You have um, discovered attack, you have background weakness, um, and then you have maybe mating two, mating three, and you're supposed to figure, that out, figure out the solution. So that was, helpful in that it helped me visualize see a situation and then think about how to tackle it. So the next time when I was playing with, with someone and a similar situation popped up, I would think, huh, I've seen something similar to this. Maybe I can do that puzzle thing solution and that word.
0: Wow. I am very impressed. So it sounds like there was a big chunk of your life that was dedicated to this game. When, I'm not sure if you still play, but if you don't play as often, when did the shift happen? The shift when you decided, okay, maybe I should, chess is now priority number 17. When did that happen? Yeah. And yeah, how, when, how did that happen? And are you planning to continue playing more frequently?
1: Uh, when I went to Penn, chess wasn't that big. And I think that's when I, Lost track of it. Mm-hmm. I did play online a bit, but the chess club didn't really play chess much. And it, it wasn't as competitive. So that's when I can I, I stopped playing. Um, I did kind of revive it, uh, revive my, my, my love of the game when I went to I went to work in the UK. Uh, I went to work in the UK twenty fifteen to twenty sixteen. I was there for a year and um, in the town that I lived in Northampton, they had a really active chess club. Uh, every every Monday would travel to another town to play chess club. So when I was there, I began to build my love build back, but I, I lost I, I realized I'd lost quite a bit of my my play because I hadn't been playing for, for so long. But it was it was a nice change. And then when I came back uh we over here in Columbus, we also we don't have in active chess clubs. So I'd have to go to travel for, for a bit to go and play. And when you're busy with work and in school, because I'm also in school right now, it getting the time to be traveling uh, for, for some games and then having to travel back is not convenient.
0: That's true. That's true. Well, it's very interesting that, you know, pen, pen, which is, you know, a great school and everything is where it kind of stopped uh yeah hopefully it improves uh so that the next people who come to penn don't have to like it it doesn't become like where the opportunities start you know going down so we are now going to the last rapid fire questions just to close this up so um Favorite? What's your favorite TV program? If you still watch TV because they're streaming, so.
1: Oh uh, no, I don't. I don't think I. No one watches TV anymore. Okay, okay. <laughs> but 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 uh, people, everyone streams. I'm sure now. Uh, yeah. So if we are talking strictly TV, I'd say uh, football, soccer. I like I like soccer. I'm an avid Chelsea fan, so I watch a lot of I watch a lot of soccer. So that is one thing uh, that's what that, that may be the only reason why I, I stream stuff. That's why I have a streaming <laughs> subscription. Wow. Uh, well, not, not streaming like TV because now I have football TV, which is kind of like streaming kind of TV, but you okay. can call it live TV. That's the only reason I have live TV uh, because, because I want to watch soccer games okay. in the end Vien- I like it different. I, I like a lot of different shows. For comedy, Friends is my all-time favorite. Okay. Uh, given when they shot it, how long the show went on for, and how creative their comedy was, I I, I like Friends a lot. Action. I like Twenty Four. Jack Bauer was was a nice one. I mean, lately we've been watching. Uh, I, I I liked Queen of the South and Ozark. I like those actually, kind of kind of shows.
0: What was a favorite TV growing up? Like maybe before Oh,
1: growing up was that? The, sorry, was that the question?
0: No, 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 no. This is a new question. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right. Growing up, my favorite show growing up. I don't know. I like my wife and kids. Um, okay. D- do you know what?
0: Yes, like, I do. I do. Answer. It was very funny. <laughs>
1: Yeah, when I, when I just think of a show that I used to, like, look forward to, that was...
0: I think it happened late at night, though, did it not?
1: No, at least when I was there, it happened. Okay, prime-
0: yes, prime-, prime time. Okay, so for me, prime time, I would have been told to go sleep at eight. So. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah I, I, I like that show. It was just really funny. And Damon, Damon is just a crazy guy. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: true. Which school in Midlands? gave you the most trouble playing chess? Which school did you think had like competitive mean players?
1: I mean, we used to beat all the schools. I mean, <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not bragging. <laughs> I don't think it's bragging if it's true. <laughs> <laughs> we used to, a lot of tournaments, we, our, our whole team, because our teams they had four people each. And most of the time, all four of us would win against the other stuff. So I'll say the one which maybe gave us trouble. In, by trouble, I mean maybe we lost one or two boards, but that didn't happen often. It was maybe Chaplin. And that was because we were friends with the guys from Chaplin. So We
0: played together.
1: We played together. And uh, at times, even when we're not in a tournament setting, we'll just meet up to play with them. So they kind of knew us um knew how we played and all and that, that's why they they gave us more uh, some trouble but then yeah we, we were really good um
0: so what would happen at the international at the national level did you get to play international chess to, to go to international tournaments
1: unfortunately no we didn't because it was uh 2008 okay <laughs> there, there was there was no money for for anything so we, we were supposed to, but <laughs> there was no money. And uh, for yeah, our whole group, we, we never, no one did anything international because there were no resources. I Yeah, um, we picked at the wrong
0: Any last words for uh, anyone who's graduating right now?
1: Yeah, first I'll say congratulations on the graduation. And um, you should not be afraid of exploring different opportunities, like uh career-wise when when you're in your twenties, because that's when you you set your career path. So now, now is the time you should really be thinking about what you want to do and trying to get opportunities on those things and not waiting until later on thinking, yeah, things will sort themselves out. Now is the time when you really want to put a lot of thought into it and then relax as you go on. And then if they are international students, I would say something also important is to uh, look for a job which will uh, process work authorization for you because that's something, that, I mean, it's the harsh reality of being an international student. Um, you are going to need a company that will sponsor you to work in the US so that you can get that experience there. All
0: right. It's been wonderful having you uh Jeff, I'm pretty sure, you know, so many people are going to benefit from all the words of wisdom that you've shared.
1: Thank you for the invitation. I hope, I, I do hope it was
0: helpful. It was very helpful. I think especially for chess fans like me, I feel like I've been inspired to go and start reading more of the chess books <laughs> about grandmasters and analyze their games. Because I don't know if you know about the Netflix show, Queen's Gambit. Yeah, but I that saw that. That suddenly got people interested and I was like... <laughs> no, Zimbabwe, I know many Zimbabweans who are very good at chess. This shouldn't be yeah. overhyped, but um, thank you so much. And if this continues, if I continue this project, hopefully we can have you back maybe some other time. Uh, but thank you.
1: <laughs> That'd be great. It was nice have talking-